That's the question that we're exploring. How is God calling us to impact our world next? As a church family, God has been so gracious towards us. Over the last 40 plus years, he has worked in a variety of different ways. And I have been blessed. In fact, I came to know the Lord in this church family. And so Desert Springs has shaped my life and my family's life in radical ways. Maybe some of you could attest to that as well in your family. But I gotta be honest with you, as lead pastor, uh, two years ago, I had a huge crisis. You see, as a church family, God has been so faithful in giving us vision and direction as to what's next. I, in 2012, I came on, uh, I came on the staff, actually, in t- uh, 2006, uh, and then uh, took the executive pastor role in about 2012 and was part of our lead team at that time. And, and God gave us a vision, and it was called Unleash. Some of you who were here at the time may remember that. And God gave us a strong vision that we would unleash our hearts, hands, and homes And through that vision, through that clear understanding of what God was calling us to do next, we were able to do things like uh, build an orphanage in Uganda, raise up new leaders, even do things to our campus like the lobby that you walked in today. We were able to build that through your grace, your generosity, your prayer, your support, your faithfulness in following God as to what he had for us next. And then uh, as that was winding down, Pastor Rick came to uh, our leadership and basically said, it's time for me to transition out of the lead pastor role. Rick served here for uh, 30 years as lead pastor. You saw uh, his video up there just briefly. He was here, preached last week, did an excellent sermon uh, last week. And the scary thing is the unknown. And when your lead pastor comes and says, it's time for a transition, everyone goes, (gasps) What's it going to be like next? And it was clear, though, God was calling us to engage in that transition. And so we went to the leadership team, Rick did, and, and, and our leadership team, and they said, well, we think maybe Caleb should be the guy. And so I said yes. And by the way, uh, we as a church family engaged in uh, a lead pastor transition that didn't end in an explosion which, and this is not a slam on other congregations, I, you, I hope that you know, I love the Church of North Phoenix. But at the time, most of the input and advice we were getting was, brace yourselves. But the Lord was so good to us. And, and by the way, 99.9% of the success and health of our lead pastor transition is Rick Eford. His grace, his love, his wisdom. And it's because of him that as a church family, we were able to engage in a lead pastor transition, and it's also because of your support, your encouragement, your prayers. My family and I feel so supported by you as a church family. And by the way, if we didn't, I don't know that I would stick around and put my family through that. Because I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. I hope you do. I love my family way more than I love you. <laughs> like, I enjoy being around them, you know. But it was clear, God was calling us to this transition. And for me as a leader, it was clear, that's where we need to go, and we did that. Right soon after the, leadership tra- uh, the, the senior pastor transition, our leadership team got together and said, okay, what's next for us? What's God calling us to next? And one of the things that we recognized is we had about a $700,000 mortgage uh, on the property. We said, you know what, we're 40 years old as a church, should we pursue eliminating that mortgage as fast as possible, getting out of debt so that God could uh, use us in the future in an unfettered way? And because of your faithfulness, your generosity, and many of you answering the call of God in your life, uh, in an 18-month period, uh, which is what we had set to eliminate a $700,000 mortgage, uh, because of your generosity and God's goodness, that actually was eliminated in 15 months. 
and it freed us up as a church family to pursue ministry debt-free. We were saying, okay, God, we know you're calling us somewhere. We don't know what that looks like next, but we know that as a church family, we're old enough, we're mature enough, so to speak, as a church family. We think we can do this debt-free. We know it would honor you, and so we pursued that. And as a church family, we're committed to not taking on mortgage debt in the future. We believe that God will provide. And he provided, frankly, I was totally surprised. And I'll tell you, I had a crisis. Because in September of 2017, as it became clear that God was abundantly blessing this congregation through your generosity and faithfulness, there was a big question mark. You know what the question mark was? Lead pastor, what are we going to do next? And I had no idea. And I thought, well, it's been a good run. <laughs> Taking this as far as I could take it as your lead pastor. I mean, honest to God, I was like, Lord, what? what? I have no idea. The other, the unleashed thing, the lead pastor transition, the, the debt limit, it was all clear. Lord, you were so clear. You wanted us to do this. Our leadership team prayed, and we're like, we're not quite sure. But one of the things that came up was this. 2017, the end of 2017, we recognized that before God was going to do a work through us, he was going to do a work on us. And in 2018, we spent a whole year addressing really hard topics and taking a really close look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. One of the things that came out of that is, in fact, in the lobby, you can see it, and on the back of the connection cards, you can see it. One of the things that came out of that was our next steps, we recognize, based on Ephesians 4, which is the text we'll be in today, we recognize that our role as a leadership team is to help equip people to flourish as disciples of Jesus. And our, our, our role is to help you take your next step, whether you know Jesus or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whatever your next step with Jesus is, we want to help you take that. We want to equip you to do that. And so we spent a full, uh, uh, like a whole season, multiple months, studying the gospel of Mark, what it means to be a disciple and near the end of that process, we still didn't have clarity. We had no idea. God, what, what's next? Like, come on, bro. Help me out here. And one of the things that we felt conviction of as a leadership team is this. We are not seeking the Lord in prayer. And by the way, I'll just tell you real quick, that's the last thing I want to do when it comes to strategic decisions. It takes forever, right? I mean, I've got all the answers anyways, this is laughing, that's not a joke. For me at least, and I, 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 maybe for some of you, uh, it was a humbling experience to say, we have no idea what's next, but God, we want you to tell us. We spent four weeks in prayer as a church family, every day praying. Many of you were faithful in praying. And we had multiple days of prayer, and thank you so much to those of you who engaged in that. But one of the things we said is, we... We don't want this to be like Moses going up on the mountain and coming down saying, here's where we're going. We wanted this to be a, a spirit-led movement through the congregation as a whole. And we asked for you to respond. How do you sense that God's leading us as a church family for what's next? And we got hundreds of responses back, emails, cards, personal conversations. And this series, Impact, is the next step in this process for us as a church family. We heard from many of you the things that God was laying on your heart. What's interesting to me, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, is that there were consistent themes throughout. And you know what? They were all tethered to our primary values of God's grace. We put it up on the wall. Growing in Christ, reaching out, authentic relationships, compassionate service, and exalting Christ. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into our core values that you see up there on the wall, 
All of this is compelled by and tethered by God's grace. And then we're gonna talk about what we believe God is calling us to do. Some of it will be ambiguous, like we don't have a plan yet, but we sense that God's leading us in this direction, so we're gonna follow him until it's clear. Some of it will be a little bit more nailed down, and let me tell you this too, some of it is us just recognizing what God's already doing in our midst and sharing that among the church family. And so I hope that you'll make an intentional decision to be here each week for the next five weeks leading up to Easter as we share what we believe that God is calling us to do as we think about the fresh expressions of God's grace that he's calling us as a church family and us as individuals to live out. Because we believe that God's grace is more than just a Sunday. It's something that shapes every aspect, every moment, every breath. So I hope that you'll join us for that. And in fact, I've got a, we've got a quick calendar here. I wanted to let you know of a few things. Next week, we've got uh, some really cool service opportunities we wanted to share with you. I hope that you'll make it next week. On the 31st, I need everybody to pay attention right here. Listen. On the 31st, we're going to completely change up our morning uh, flow. We're centering the entire service around baptism. In fact, the 9.30 service, we will have a 9.30 start time and an 11 o'clock start time, but I want you to know that we don't know how the Spirit's gonna move on that day, and so we're just gonna let one service flow right into the other. So if you're used to coming at 9.30, awesome for you. If you think, oh, maybe I'll come at 11, I would encourage you, try to get here maybe a little bit before 11, because I think God's gonna do a mighty work. We're centering the entire thing around baptism, And if if you are considering baptism, taking that step of faith, taking that step as a disciple of Jesus, let the 31st be the day. If you want to talk with us about how you can take that step, you can fill out the connection card in the back of the seat in front of you. We're going to open it up to anyone in the congregation who wants to be baptized that morning. We're just going to open it up, and we're going to have it open all morning. I hope you'll join us on the 31st. On the 7th, we've got a community barbecue. So what happens sometimes is when the pastor says something everyone should be excited about, the congregation says back, amen. Let me try that again. On the 7th, we've got a community barbecue. On the 14th, we've got Palm Sunday prayer. Here's the jam. Um, I know that there's a lot of us here in the room that uh, are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Uh, For those of you who are followers of Jesus who call Desert Springs your church home, listen, I'm going to ask you to make an intentional decision to be here at 12.30 on Palm Sunday because we are going to fill this room and we're going to pray over the people who will be in the seats on Easter Sunday who do not know Jesus yet. I'm going to tell you that I believe that God answers prayer and when his people pray, he moves in a mighty way. I'm going to ask you, I get it, it's lunch hour. Jesus fasted for 40 days, so the least you could do is give up a couple hours. No, no, that's shaming and guilt. We're all about God's grace. Scratch that from the record. 12.30 12.30 to about 1.15, 1.30, we're going to be in this room, and we're just going to pray over the room. It's going to be unstructured. I would just encourage you, if you call Desert Springs your church home, let's let that be there. If you've got kids, bring them in the room. What a great example as a church family for us to show our kids as we pray for those that God would bring in on Easter. And then on the 21st, it's Easter. Today, we're talking about uh, growing in Christ, the first of our five values We recognize that in nature, in life, healthy things grow. Uh, My wife and I uh, actually just, um, well, she did the work, uh, but we just had our fourth kid uh, last week. We can put her picture up on the screen. This is Juliana. And I'll let Lori know that you clapped for her. One of the things that uh, is happening, uh, aside from the complete absence of sleep, is... um, 
pretty much like every other day, we're in the pediatrician's office, and one of the key things that they are doing is weighing Juliana. Why are they doing that? Because growth is a sign of what? Health. Healthy things tend to grow. And so my question for you is this. How are you growing in Christ? Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say, right? How are you growing in Christ? That's kind of odd. Why would I say it like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We grow in a variety of different ways, don't we? We can grow in respect. We can grow in physical size. We can grow in wealth. We can grow in our knowledge. We can grow in our careers. Growing in Christ is growing in our relationship with Jesus and growing in our mirroring of Jesus to everyone else. How are you growing in Christ? Now let me ask this question. You just answer it to yourself. Or is your relationship with Christ stagnant? How are you growing in Christ? And this is corollary to how we are growing as a church family because the church family is simply us. Desert Springs is just us. We are DSBC. So when we talk about the church growing, it's the same question as how are we growing as individual disciples of Jesus? How are you growing in Christ? We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 today. I'll have it up here on the screen. Uh, we could, uh, verses 11 through 12. What we're going to do is we're going to answer this question as to how do we grow in Christ I'll share with you a few things that God's uh, laid on our hearts as leaders. First, this is Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he, namely Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. TV time out. What is the job of a teacher, preacher, ministry leader? What's their job? You guys see it right here. Equipping the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not the New Orleans Saints. That word saint, I know we use it a lot like, oh, that person's a saint. But you know what saints signifies? Any follower of Jesus. Now, to put it another way, God gave, Jesus structured the church so there would be leaders, and the leader's job is to help people who follow after Jesus do the work of the ministry and build up into the body of Christ. That is, namely, the church. What's the job of a pastor? Equip the saints. What's the job of a leader in a church? Equip the saints. So equip, equip. That's one of the reasons why, if you were to look uh, in the lobby, uh, as we think about our role, is we want to equip you to flourish as a disciple of Jesus. That's their job. Now, let me tell you something real quick. My job is not to tell you what to think. I know a lot of us are like, thank God. This guy's nuts. Our job is not to tell you what to think. Our job is to equip you to grow. You're not here to carbon copy my faith and my relationship with Jesus. Jesus has you here so that you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. And my role as a minister is simply to help you take that next step. You with me, fam? Here we go. Let's keep going. Ephesians uh, uh, 13 through 14. Okay, so how long should we grow? Remember I was asking you all, how are you growing in Christ? Do you guys remember I asked that question? You guys remember, seven minutes ago, I asked you, how are you? We put it up on the screen, okay? How, you remember, do you guys remember I asked you, how are you growing in Christ? Okay, here we go. 
How long should we be growing in Christ? Great question. Let's see if the text gives us an answer. Until we all reach unity. Woo! You guys want to talk about talk radio? You guys want to talk about what y'all post on Facebook? Until we all reach what? Unity. In this culture? That must be some sort of miracle you're talking about. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, namely Jesus, growing into maturity with a stature, (laughs) I love this, measured by Christ's fullness. How long should we grow in Christ? Until we reach the stature or the fullness of Christ. Until everything in our life looks like what? Jesus. And so let me ask you this question. I asked you first, how are you growing in Christ? My next question is, Well, maybe you feel like you don't need to. So here we go. Is there any area of your life that doesn't look like Jesus? Yeah, it's quiet, isn't it? I already know the answer to that question. Because I look at my own life, I'm not even close. I've got a lot of growing to do. Everyone said amen. And maybe you do too. Until we reach the fullness of Christ's stature. How long will we grow in Christ? Until we reach Christ-likeness in every aspect of our life. And what's the impact? I love this. I love this image. What's the impact? How does that change us? Watch this. Then, so as we grow into maturity in Christ, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Okay. I want you to get this image in your mind. We grow into Christ-likeness. As that's happening, we are no longer little children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. How many of you have ever felt like a kid on a boat in the middle of a storm. There's this uh, image we have in our office. We'll put it up here on the screen. I look at this every day. This sits just above uh, the desk next to mine. It's a painting done by someone within our congregation who painted it for us. And next to it is the text that we're reading today, Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 16, because it reminds our leaders what we're here for but it also reminds us of the impact that it makes. Because apart from growth in Christ, matureness in Christ, we are anchorless. We are rootless. We feel, many of you feel this right now, by the way, we feel like a kid in a boat, in a storm, without an anchor. How many of you know what it's like to feel overwhelming anxiety How many of you know what it's like to feel the existential dread, the call of the dark? How many of you know what it's like to experience such loss that you can barely get up in the morning? How many of you have felt so tossed around by your relationships, by the things that are going on in your community, by the things that are going on in your workplace, by the things that are going on in your family, by the things that are going on in your own soul. How many of you have ever felt what it is like to be a kid on a boat 
in a storm without an anchor. You see, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, the anchor grows heavier. The roots begin to go deeper so that when the, not if, but when the wind and the storm comes, we're anchored and we're not like children tossed around. For those of you that are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, listen, this is what compels us to share Jesus with you. Not because any Christian has any answers or any sort of life, frankly, that you should model yours after. Our role is to simply point you to Jesus because we do not want for you to live a life constantly anxious, untethered, unhinged. I had a young woman meet with me recently, and she's not a follower of Jesus, but she was coming. She was like, oh, just maybe you guys have something to offer. And it was right after one of the recent shootings. And she says, this just scares, I'm going to quote, this just scares the hell out of me. I don't even know if I should go on living because the world just seems like it's collapsing. I feel like I'm adrift. I don't think I have an anchor, and I think I might need one. She's a kid on a boat in a storm without an anchor. Why do we share Jesus? Why do we encourage others to grow in Christ? To deepen that anchor. As a church family, I am so impressed with our next-gen ministry. Our student ministries, many of them take the personal responsibility to mentor and to coach those in our children's ministry. So we've got seventh graders mentoring and investing in fifth graders. We've got 12th graders mentoring and investing in 10th graders, and on and on it goes. Because one of the questions we might have is, how is it that we grow in Christ? Well, we certainly do that one-on-one with Jesus, but Jesus has also wired the church in this way, that he calls us to connect with one another, to grow in our relationship with him as we see him through each other. And by the way, our teens are leading the way, because many of us have chosen to exclude ourselves from any form of relationship any form of mentoring, any form of coaching, any sort of relationship in which we would be intentionally growing in Christ. As an individualistic Western society, many of us have bought into the lie that it's just me and Jesus. Which, by the way, is a completely unbiblical statement. Jesus binds us, when Jesus saves us, he saves us into a community called the church. And one of the key ways that we grow in our relationship with Christ is in our relationship and through our relationship with one another. For thousands of years, this is interesting to me, we're weird, by the way. Like Western individualists, we're, we're super weird as you look down the corridors of human history. This idea that we're just isolated individuals, not part of a greater community, we're totally weird. I know that for many of you who are immigrants here uh, from uh, uh, higher context cultures, you, you, you already know we're weird, right? You don't have to say, I mean, I know you guys are looking around, but you don't have to say anything. Because we think it's just about us. The whole world's about us. I'm just an individual consumer. And so what's interesting, though, is that for most of Christian history, Christians, especially the ancients, recognize that one of the first things you do when you enter into a relationship with Jesus is you also enter into relationship with people who will mentor you, coach you, and disciple you. This idea of the altar call and then I'm safe and it's just me and Jesus, that's a brand new thing in the corridors of church history. 
it was considered to be totally weird to not have someone investing in you, and it was also viewed to be incomplete to not be investing in someone else. And so I'm going to press pause, and I'm going to answer the call of the ancients and ask you this question. How are you growing in Christ? Are you allowing someone to invest in you, to challenge your thinking, to confront your prejudices, to expand your mind, to deepen your soul, to bless your heart? And for those of you that have been following Jesus for more than a minute, are you taking personal responsibility to answer the call of Jesus to invest in someone else and help them grow in Christ? This idea that it's just pastors that can do that is a lie from the pit of hell because Ephesians 4 says that it's the saints who do the work of the ministry and the saints, P.S., is like all of us. Now, as a church family, we are leaning into this heavy, and I wanted to just bring something up for you to be praying about. This is super ambiguous, and I don't have any plans or answers. You guys with me? Did you guys hear me just say that? I don't have any plans or answers. You guys are already like, never thought you did anyway. Uh, I want to take a quick time out and ask you guys to be praying about something. So our campus is imbalanced a little bit. So in 1997, we built this building. We can fit over 750 people in this room. The second largest space that we have fits about 120 people. Uh, So the first two buildings, that was imbalanced. What I mean by that is this. You put the adults in one room, you've gotta have so many square foot for like kids and teenagers, you guys with me so far, right? So like the family unit shows up and where are you gonna put everybody? We built this building, but we did not build the next step of the building, which is more space for our kids and for our student ministries. And by the way, our student ministries is exploding and they're running out of space. And we're actually having conversation of like, well, do they need to use this room on Wednesday nights? How do we do that and accommodate student ministries? Here's another thing too. We have to kick kids out of rooms in order to make space for adult classes. (gasps) I'm gonna do that one more time. We currently are in a position where we have to kick kids out of rooms in order to make space for adult classes. Yeah, we don't have space for opportunities for people to gather in groups to do things like uh, marriage classes, uh, new believer classes, exploring God classes on Sunday morning. We also don't have corollary space for hospitality. One of the things that we do is free funerals. We offer free funerals to the community. And one of the things is we can have 700 people in this room, and then when they want to like shake hands and give hugs, you know, the thing that happens after, we don't have The next size that we have is about 120 people, and it's the student center. Our our space is imbalanced. The other thing, too, is this, is some parts of our campus are not being used to the best of our ability, so we need to do some remodels. So here's what I'm asking you to pray for. We need to remodel some of our space in order to make the best use out of every square foot that we have. I want you guys to hear me on this. Our leadership is 100% committed to squeezing every ounce of value out of every square foot we currently have. You guys with me on that? There is no one on our team that like, loves the idea of new buildings because new buildings become what? Old, old buildings. <laughs> yeah, the other thing too is we're not going into debt for it, so we gotta do this cash, so that's why we're praying now. Lord, lottery, <laughs> tickets. So we're having conversations with architects asking like, what's the best way that we can build? The second thing is what's the best way that we can remodel the space that we've got? Here's a third one, and I, I, I'm... We don't want to say no to anybody. 
When people say, I, w- I want to take my next step with Jesus, we don't ever want to say no, do we? We currently don't have an elevator for our two-story kids building, which means that kids that show up, some of you feel this, kids that show up, you know, Chris, Chris that, uh, kids that show up in a wheelchair cannot get to their classrooms. I was told that there were people who were carried up the stairs. And I don't want you to answer out loud to this, but I want to ask in your heart, are you comfortable with that? Are you cool with that? Now, an elevator, we talked to our, uh, our contractor, they're like, it's going to be 200 grand. Again, Lord, lottery, right? You gave many of us an extra kidney. Can we sell those on the black market? How is that going to work? But I know that when God calls us to do something, he always provides. The crazy thing about it is, the frustrating thing about it is, he provides like almost always after you start moving in that direction, which is super frustrating. And we're praying through that as a church family. How do we create more space for Sunday morning? And we've had people, many in our newcomers classes, say things like, yeah, I was wondering, like, if I go to the service at 9.30, what's the other thing I can do? Like, is there a marriage class? Is there an opportunity to do Financial Peace University? And right now, there's, there's not. And so we're praying. I don't know the answers. I don't have a big magic plan. We wanted to bring this to the congregation because many of you said that to us. We need more space for discipleship. We need more space for growing in Christ and building authentic relationships. And so I'm simply responding and sharing with you what you've already shared uh, with one another and with us. And so please be in prayer. We, we need God's wisdom because we're going to do this debt-free. Right? Why? I mean, we're talking millions of dollars, tons of man hours, tons of sweat equity. Why would we do that? Let's continue on the text. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Speaking the truth of love, in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in, what's the word? Love. By the proper working of each individual part. TV timeout. God has given to each one of you who follow after him a part to play in this body. Some of you recently began uh, participating or attending here at Desert Springs. And I firmly believe, especially based on this text, that the reason God brought you here is because something is lacking within our church family that you bring. There are others of us who have simply been attending and not been engaged. And I know, based on this text, that God has brought you into this church family, wired you a certain way to meet a specific need within this church family or within this church family's mission here in Phoenix or around the world. I don't know what that is, but we are committed to helping you take your next step. Because we do not want anyone to be living a life like a kid in a boat, in a storm, without an anchor. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to live a life anchored and tethered to your maker so you might have life and life abundant. Many of us choose not to be coached or mentored because we're too busy. And I'm here to tell you, I know that feeling, but we always make time for the things we value. Busyness, generally speaking, if I can be so bold, is usually simply saying, I don't value it more than I value other things in my life. 
We have the most discretionary time of any culture that's ever lived. So I want to ask you again, how are you growing in Christ? We'll put it back on the screen. Now some of us are saying, I have no idea how. How do I take that next step? I'm glad you asked. We are committed to helping you take. We will pair you up with a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a group leader. For some of you, you're in uh, uh, missional communities in which you're growing and learning, awesome. For others of you, you're in discipleship groups where you're growing and learning, awesome. For others of you, you're in a mentoring relationship where you're one-on-one with someone, awesome. If you're not in a relationship in which you find yourself growing in Christ, I'm gonna ask you to take the connection card, fill it out, say, I'm ready to take that step, growing in Christ, drop it in the metal boxes or take it to direct and connect on your way out. We will do everything in our power to help you take your next step because we're committed to seeing you flourish as a disciple of Jesus. Second, for those of you that have been a follower of Jesus for more than a minute, how is he calling you to invest in someone else, to help them grow in Christ? For some of us, it's a one-on-one relationship. For some, it's a teacher. For some of us, serving as a host for a community group. For others, it's a Sunday school class teacher. For others, it's simply doing things like preparing meals and taking it to them and engaging in a relationship that way. I don't know what it is for you, But for those of us that follow after Jesus, we are committed to helping you take your next step in discipling others. Every one of us should be being discipled and should be discipling others if we are truly to grow in Christ and live a life anchored to our Savior and King. I love you guys so much. Jesus loves you so much. He wants for you life and life abundant. And that is our heart as well. Would you guys join me as we pray?